Welcome to the Robert Lewis Sermons Podcast, an archive of Robert Lewis's sermons while at Fellowship Bible Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. The following podcast is one of Robert's original messages to men on manhood, found here under the series heading, Authentic Manhood. As you listen to it, we hope it will give you both personal encouragement and spiritual inspiration to live better as a man. Yeah, you guys are probably wondering what's with the suitcase, okay? And here's what I want you to know. Every man carries a suitcase. Every one of us. And how you unpack your suitcase is going to determine the kind of man you're going to become. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. What I thought I'd do this morning, though, first of all, is just start off with a little quiz that uh, I found in Dave Barry's book, A Guide to Guys. Barry says that there's a new breed of men that is rising up in America called guys, and he gives a quiz to determine whether you are a guy or not. So I'm going to give you that quiz, and you can uh, answer this multiple choice questionnaire, and you can see where you stand on the guy factor. Here's what he says. Question one. Alien beings from a highly advanced society visit Earth, and you're the first human they encounter as a token of intergalactic friendship, they present you with a small but incredibly sophisticated device that is capable of curing all disease, providing an infinite supply of clean energy, wiping out hunger and poverty, and permanently eliminating oppression and violence all over the entire earth. You decide to, okay, here it is. A, present it to the President of the United States. B, present it to the Secretary General of the United Nations. C, take it apart. Question two, as you grow older, what quality of your youthful life do you miss the most? A, innocence. B, idealism. C, cherry bombs. <laughs> In your opinion, the ideal pet is A, a cat. B, a dog. C, a dog that eats cats. <laughs> You've been seeing a woman for several years. She's attractive and intelligent, and, you're always, and you always enjoy being with her. One leisurely Sunday afternoon, the two of you are taking it easy. You're watching a football game. She's reading the papers. When she suddenly out of the clear blue sky tells you she thinks she really loves you, but she can no longer bear the uncertainty of not knowing where your relationship is going. She says she's not asking whether you want to get married, only whether you believe that you will have some kind of future together. What do you say? A that you sincerely believe the two of you do have a future and that you don't, but you don't want to rush into it? B, that although you have strong feelings for her, you cannot honestly say that you're ready anytime soon to make a lasting commitment and you don't want to hurt her feelings by holding out false hope? Or C, that you cannot believe the Jets called a draw play on 3rd and 17? <laughs> One weekday morning, your wife wakes up feeling really ill and asks you to get your three children ready for school. Your first question to her is, A, do they need to eat or anything? B, you mean they're already in school? C, there are three of them? <laughs> when is it okay to throw away a set of veteran underwear? A, when it has turned the color of a dead whale? 
B, when it has developed new holes so large that you're not sure which ones were originally intended for your legs. <laughs> or C, it is never okay for a guy to throw away veteran underwear. <laughs> well, maybe that'll help you kind of determine where you are on the guy quotient. And uh, whether you're a guy or whether you're in the process of where we're going together, and where we're going together is authentic manhood. What I'd like to do this morning is just kind of summarize where we've been the last few weeks here at the beginning, because in the last few weeks we have been exploring the struggle of becoming an authentic man. It seems it's harder and harder to get there today. And I want to just remind you of some of the reasons why we find that journey so difficult. Notice on your outline, some of it has to do with society and the changes within it. You know, we talked a few weeks ago about the Industrial Revolution that swept over our country in the early 1900s. It introduced for the first time in mass distant fathering, where, fa where a father no longer worked around the home, but for the first time in Mass, there was a mass exodus from the home where dad began to work away from home, in the city, at the office, at the factory. And with that, the natural masculine modeling that occurred with dad side by side with his son, where a son got to see what a dad is and what a dad does in the best hours of a dad's day, that was lost for the first time. And mentoring a son was now relegated more and more to mom in the world of women and those strong social and emotional bonds between a father and his son were severed. World War II also impacted manhood as we now know it. Yes, it created a generation of strong, courageous, and heroic men, but it also created when they came home, as they went into the workplace, as many of them couldn't face their own feelings after what they had been through, it created a huge emotional disconnect with a whole generation of fathers and sons. And there are men in this room here today who grew up with a World War II vet who still longs for that emotional connection with dad. Some of it had to do with the gender revolution which began in the 60s and the 70s, and which really continues to this day. A revolution that redefined and expanded a woman's world in a significant way. But at the same time, it seemed to downsize and even gut the world of men. And we find ourselves at a place where here in the first part of the 21st century, we're asking, so what is a man? And what does a man do? What's his role, especially in relationship to a woman, and it seems those roles really have almost been reversed today. Last night I was watching a car commercial. I, I like to watch commercials because commercials tell us the value system of our world. And in this car commercial, this beautiful car drove into a service station, and interestingly enough, there was a sharp young woman, and she was driving the car, and her boyfriend was in the driver's seat. And he gets out of the car to fill the car up with some gas. And as he goes to get the gas, she uses the automatic knob that's there on her dashboard to fix the rear view mirror, the side mirror that it moves back and forth to fixate on his rear end so she can watch it. 
And then, of course, as he goes to fill the carp with gas, he's totally inept. He's forgot his wallet. He has no money. So she pulls the car back, touches the electronic window button. It goes down, and she hands him the credit card so he can pay for the gas. And that was supposed to be attractive. What that shows is a little window into the world of masculinity in our world today. Where a man no longer knows what it means to be a man, where the warrior has been drained out of him, where he's responding to the leadership of a strong, assertive, confident woman, but he himself hasn't a clue where he's going. And those images are bombarding the next generation of young men every day through the media. Some of it has to do with society and how it's affected us. That's why we are the way we are. Secondly, some of it has to do with family dynamics. Everybody, I told you last week, has a story, has a family story. And I told you mine last week. But you may have been in here thinking about your family dynamics. You may have had two parents that you grew up with. You may have had one parent. You may have had no parents at all growing up. You may have been raised by an aunt. You may have been raised by a grandparent or a step-parent or by the state. But whatever your condition growing up, it has made a huge impact on the kind of man that you are today and how you are and what you feel about life. Maybe you came from a loving home, but it was a loving home that lacked clear direction. There are a lot of homes like that today where a young man's growing up and his parents are more involved, maybe even in the previous generation, but a lot of their involvement is just being around him, attending his events like his sports events or school events or those kind of things. But as far as investing any kind of sense of direction, they're not doing that. I had a meeting with a group of parents talking about empowering your teen, and I asked those parents in that meeting, how many of you all attend your, your, your son's ball games? And almost every hand went up in the room. I thought that was good. How many of you help him with his homework? All the hands went up. And I thought, boy, that's good. Then I asked this question, a more substantive question, I think. How many of you have taught your son what it means to be a man? No hands went up. How many of you taught your son how he's to relate to a woman? How, to, how, to, how he dates and how he interacts with the opposite sex? No hands went up. How many of you taught him what his role is going to be in marriage? And how he's going to interface in that intimate setting with a woman? No hands went up. Now what that means is, is that's a warm, loving home but it's a directionless home. Some of you may have grown up in that, and then what you find is you move out away from home into the world for yourself, that there are a lot of life skills that you lack, and it affects how you come across as a man. Some of you may have grown up in a home that was hurt by favoritism. You grew up in a home where Maybe the older brother or the older sister or the younger son seemed to get all the attention. And you kept playing off of that. And it made you mad and angry. And you didn't know how to deal with that. So you defined your whole life there in those early years off of a sibling. Off of a, 
of, of, of the older brother. And your life has been defined by that. And maybe it's still in some ways defined by that. Some of you grew up in a home where there are unholy alliances. Maybe because of the broken marriage that your parents had, your mom married you. She brought you into her world to be her chief companion. And it created kind of a weird scenario there. Or maybe like I told you last week, there was so much friction in the home, you as a son were drafted in to be the mediator between two parents. And it caused you to become something that you didn't want, but somehow you felt thrust upon you. Some of you grew up in a home where there was abuse or betrayal or abandonment. Or maybe there was poor, just poor manhood modeling altogether. It wasn't that there was anything necessarily wrong in the home, but it's just how your dad modeled manhood to you, left you with a poor model. I remember a friend of mine whose dad had a very good job but uh, we would go over to his house after school. This was during my high school years and play basketball out in the garage area. And uh, every day his dad would come home from this high-powered, high-paying job and he would have the exact same routine. He would walk in the door with his briefcase. He would say hi to us. He would go over to a cabinet, open it up, pour himself a scotch and water and go sit in his leather chair. And he would drink for the rest of the evening. He did that every day. And my buddy who lived in that home grew up and when he left home and if somebody were to ask him, what is a man? He would turn and go, there it is. And I just want you to know those kind of experiences have a tremendous impact on the kind of man that you are today. Now, looking back at your family dynamics is very important, as we talked about last week, for one important reason. Here it is. It's because you can't change what you don't understand. And it's very important that you understand your family dynamics in order to change the things that need to be adjusted. So some of it has to do with family dynamics. Some of it, even in a closer way, has to do with just dad himself. I remember seeing the cover of Newsweek, and the cover of Newsweek one day said this. It said, dad is destiny. Dad is destiny. It went on to point out that science shows that it's a dad's chromosomes when there is this union between egg and sperm that determines, it's dad's chromosomes that determine whether the sex of the baby is going to be a boy or a girl. But even more importantly in that article, it went on to say that research shows that it's the presence of dad in the family that determines whether the boy is going to be masculine or whether he's going to be passive or effeminate. And it's dad's presence in the family that determines whether the daughter is going to be feminine or whether she's going to be overly assertive, promiscuous, or have a masculine look to herself. It's dad's presence that does that. And that's because dad is destiny. And yet in more and more American homes, whether you know it or not, and here we're back to the society in which we live, dad's AWOL, just 
1960, 17% of all families in America were fatherless. And here we are at the beginning of the 21st century. 40% of all the families in America are fatherless. Dad is destiny. And without dad, men struggle. Much of the struggle, in fact, that we're going to talk about in the next few weeks of sons is, has its root right back into the life of dad. So, I mentioned those three things. Society, family dynamics, dad. So, how do you rise above those kind of things? How do you resist the temptation to submit to those forces I've just mentioned or consider yourself just the victim of those things? And I don't want you to play the victim. How do you rise above those things and seize the kind of authentic manhood that we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks? I believe that authentic manhood revolves around three critical issues. We're going to spend most of our time on the first one. I'm just going to briefly mention the next two. But here's the first one, the one that we're going to bear down on here this morning. It's this, addressing the unfinished business of my past. Addressing the unfinished business of my past. Now when I say that, I want you to hear that I'm not talking about blaming my past for who I am. This is not a blame game that we're addressing here. It's more, much more important than that. What I'm doing is I'm talking about getting in touch with my past and understanding it so I can be the man I need to be and I can change the things that I need to change. And that is critical in altering a man's focus and stabilizing his stance so that he can move forward in an empowered way to be the kind of man that he needs to be. Now, I came up here with a suitcase. And I want you to know, every man, every man carries a suitcase. Some of your suitcases are large like this one. There are some guys who have just a small, kind of an overnighter. But every man carries a suitcase in his life. And how he unpacks that suitcase will determine the kind of man that he's going to become. Now I call the unfinished business that's in this suitcase, because that's what in, what's in here, is unfinished business. I call those manhood wounds. And I want to talk to the whole issue of what a wound is, first of all. What do we mean by wounds or a wound? Here's a formal definition for you to fill out. A wound is any unresolved issue where lack of closure adversely impacts and shapes the direction and dynamics of a man's life now. Let me say it again. A wound is any unresolved issue where lack of closure adversely impacts and shapes the direction and dynamics of a man's life now. A number of years ago, when my son Garrett was in junior high school, he was with another boy and they were out playing basketball. And at the end of the day, they were in this gym where there were a lot of portable basketball goals. They were asked to move one of those goals. And this particular goal... It was a big metal plate stand in which the goal sat. And so they pulled it up and they were rolling it down the court. And he was in front of that plate rolling it down where suddenly 
the plate became detached from the goal and fell. And he went to jump back, but as the plate came down, it landed on the end of his toes on his right foot. The force of that steel plate coming down on those toes was so powerful that it exploded the ends of his big toe and his next toe completely off. I remember rushing into the emergency room with him as the doctors pulled that sock off and with him the ends of his toes. And they tried to reattach those toes, but some months later, uh, that surgical procedure didn't work, so we had to amputate the ends of those toes. And to this day, every morning when he gets up to put on his socks, he is reminded of an event that took place now some 10 years ago. Physically affected because of the scars that are still there with those two nubs that he sees when he puts his sock on. Physical wounds leave physical scars, but the deepest wounds of a man's life are not physical, guys. And this is so important that you hear this because my particular uh, opinion is that we men are pretty fragile. The deepest wounds of a man's life are the wounds of his soul that he experiences that oftentimes don't heal up. They're inflicted on us by circumstances that we don't choose. They're not of our own choosing or we do choose, but they leave these open wounds that then go on and continue to affect the way we live now. Now, the natural instinct of a man who has a wound of his soul is just simply to pretend it's not there, to bury it, and just go on with his life. But the truth is, what happens is when we have a wound that we don't deal with, some kind of unfinished business of the past, it does affect us, and we tend to begin to compensate for it, just like we would if we lost the toes of our foot. We'd begin to limp to compensate for it. The wounds of the soul, you begin to compensate for them in your life and in the way that you live your life. For instance, if you grew up in a home where there was a lot of turmoil and you experienced a lot of pain, you know what some guys do in that? They, they compensate for that pain by learning not to feel. They just simply take a lid and put a lid on their feelings. And that helps them get through those difficult years. But it's de very difficult, for instance, to have a warm relationship with people or an intimate relationship with a wife or, or, a, or a, a, a warm engagement with children when you don't feel. And for some guys, when they put that lid on that pain, it keeps wanting to open. And so to compensate for that lid wanting to come up, they have to find coping mechanisms like chemicals, drugs, or alcohol, or, or pleasurable experiences like sex and pornography to, to offset the pain that they don't want to deal with. That's what I mean by an opened wound. I see five common wounds that are inside most men today. Here's the first one. Let's go into our suitcase just for a minute. I'm going to use this as the symbol. The absent father wound. And when I say absent father, I mean either a dad who wasn't there altogether or a dad who was there, but he wasn't there. 
In the 60s, I used to hear this wound played out on the radio with a song that went like this. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on. Let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today. I've got a lot to do. And he said, well, that's okay. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man in the moon. When are you coming home, Dad? I don't know when, but we'll get together then, son. You know we'll have a good time then. Now that was the 60s. Now we're in the 21st century and the thrill of sons who have this wound has grown harsher and shriller. I listened to a band called Everclear write their song about fathers and sons in this generation. I want you to listen to these words. Father of mine, tell me, where have you been? Father of mine, take me back to the day when I was still your golden boy back before you went away. I remember blue skies walking the block. I loved it when you held me high. I loved to hear you talk. You would take me to the movie. You would take me to the beach. You would take me to a place inside that is now so hard to reach. Father of mine, tell me, where did you go? You had the world inside your hand, but you did not seem to know. Father of mine, tell me, what do you see when you look back at your wasted life and you don't see me? Daddy gave me a name. My dad gave me a name. And then he walked away. Then he walked away. My dad gave me a name. I will never be safe. I will never be sane. I will always be weird inside. I will always be lame. Daddy gave me a name. And then he walked away. My dad, he gave me a name. And then he walked away. My dad gave me a name. And then he walked away. And when he walked away, he left a huge wound in my life. And a lot of young men have never, ever finished this business with dad. It's so easy in that midst to either get angry, close the lid on my feelings, and pretend this is going to go away. But I want you to know, guys, it doesn't go away until you deal with it in an appropriate way and then put it to rest so you can go on and live an authentic manhood life. That's what I mean when I talk about this father wound that is so important in guys. Then secondly, there's what I call the overly bonded with mother wound. Give me just a second while I dress up. The overly bonded with mother wound. Now this looks pretty silly, doesn't it? And I used to think it was real silly until I found out there are a lot of guys who look like this. They don't know they look like this. But in fact, they look like this. You see, this wound often occurs when you were growing up and mom, for whatever reason, invested too strongly in you. She didn't mean to hurt you. That was not her intent. Many times she rushed in because she was trying to compensate for the dad that wasn't there. 
Or maybe he was there and not involved, but she got over-involved and she overly nurtured you and overly controlled you and touched your world too much. She bonded with you too deeply and she took care of you too often. And you know what the results are? The results are that a guy goes out in life wounded by being overly bonded with his mom. Oftentimes, he has one or two reactions in that kind of environment. He either resents that control and fought with that control and didn't like that control, and so he goes out with an image of, I'm not going to be controlled by anyone, particularly women. And so he always has a difficult time with women because he either has to dominate them or he's scared of them because he sees the shadow of mother in all of them. Or else, like a lot of guys today, he succumbed to this control. And he succumbed to this power that bonded with him too deeply. And so here he is at 25 or 35 or 45 or 55. I see guys like this all the time. And mom, in whatever way, from whatever distance, is still dictating the terms and controlling the emotions, and violating the, the boundaries of his family. She calls up a 40-year-old businessman named Tom and says to Tom, Tommy, Tommy, you and your family are coming to our house for dinner, right? And his wife hates that, but he can't say no because he has no boundaries with mom. And he doesn't know why. But I want you to know, I'm starting to learn why. The reason why is because he has an overly bonded with mother wound in his life. Then there's a third wound. It's called the all alone wound. We mentioned that real briefly a few weeks ago. You know, every man is supposed to be climbing a mountain. It's called a mountain of manhood. And he's supposed to be cinched in with some other guys real tight. And he's supposed to have his rope attached. We were made to be attached, guys, to other men so that we could climb that high mountain of authentic manhood. But you know, a lot of us have our ropes cut. And we're all alone. We have no close friends connected to us who have access to our inner life. Oh, they do to our outer life, but I'm talking about our inner life. And so when we're going through turmoil, we do so all by ourselves. We have no close friends connected to us who can cheer for us in the noble things of life. The things that we would like to tell somebody else, like how we stayed pure on that business trip with that female associate, or how we took our wife out to some special romantic Evening, or how we've been investing in our sons or daughters in some special way. We, we need other guys to cheer for us and we want to tell them about those significant things, but there's nobody to talk to about that. Who would listen to us? Would they think it was corny? So we don't have any cheers because we're not connected, especially in the noble things of life. We have no close friends who connect us to something very, very important, and that is a larger, more accurate perspective of life, which we desperately need to see. 
Therefore, we doom ourselves to blind spots. How many times have you been in a circle where some guys will start talking and they'll be talking about old Joe or old Wayne and there's some obvious huge blind spots in his life, but nobody will tell him. And so it kind of becomes kind of a side conversation among a group about his life as he continues to make the same error again and again. And he's known for it, but nobody delivers him from that circle of doom. Because he can't see it, but he's not connected in a way that other men feel safe enough to tell him about it. And that's what I mean about the all-alone wound. You know, one of the ingredients in modern life that's missing so desperately, and I, and I just think it was uh, divine coincidence maybe that Bill mentioned it even this morning, is older men attaching themselves in friendships to younger men. Older men who get with younger men who encourage them and mentor them. And yet that seems to be missing in our world today. Most young men have no older man that is around them who's just admiring them and encouraging them in their life. That whole power has been short-circuited. And yet, do you know, older men, what it means for you to walk up to a younger guy kind of out of the blue and put your hand on his shoulder and say, I've been watching you. You know what? You're good. I mean, you're really good. That changes a young man's life. Just those few words from an older veteran. And yet we've disconnected in that regard. The switch is, has been pulled out and cut. And you know what? Both the younger men and the older men lose. The younger men lose the wisdom of the ages to help them and the encouragement and the admiration that comes that causes them to walk taller and climb higher. And the older men, as they grow older, miss the energy and the deep sense of purpose mentoring a younger man will bring to their life because we were wired to do that. So what happens in this all-alone wound is that we both lose. I want you to know, you've got to be connected and we need to talk about how you get connected. The next is what I call the lack of a manhood vision wound. It's where you have no vision about who you're going to be. You're out there looking around, but rather than having field glasses to survey the landscape to see the long-range distance of life, all you got is a short-range distance. Only as far as you can see, you have no help to carry you for the long haul. And so what happens is most men are kind of living in the now. That's the vision. Wednesday. What's your vision? Wednesday? Tomorrow, what's your vision? Thursday? Well, how about the weekend? Hadn't thought that far out yet. <laughs> Hadn't got there. And what the world comes in and does is our world comes in, at least here in the 21st century, and it's offered, like it did in the 20th century, a stunted, short-sighted vision of manhood. We'll, we'll expand this term later, but you can just write down a conventional vision of manhood. 
And we'll, we'll expand on that term later. But here's what, in the short summary, a conventional vision of manhood is all about. It tells a young man in high school and as he moves out of the workforce or into college, it tells a young man, listen, if you'll put your warrior face on, get it on there, put that mask on, clamp down the armor tight, if you'll put that warrior face on and you go out and you'll work hard, I mean work real hard, and I know it's going to hurt, and it's probably going to hurt your family too, but if you'll work real hard in the end, here's what's going to happen. You're going to get what you want, and then you won't need anybody. You'll get there. You'll be on the mountain. It tells you that in this insulated, isolated, self-sufficient state of prosperity vision, you'll be happy and satisfied. And so generation after generation of young men launch out of those boats with that warrior face on saying, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the hill. And about 35 or 45 or 55, most of them finally burn out and say, it's not working. I'll never get there. So then they feel disappointed with their lives. And the few who make it, the few who get to the top, and they've made enough where they can have all that they want, and they don't need anyone, then they find out the awful truth. And that is, the conventional vision of manhood is a lie. Now what? And it creates a great wound because we have no vision that will take us over a lifetime into a noble masculinity. And finally, I want to mention one last one. It's what I call the heart wound. Now, you may have gone through the first four of the wounds that I mentioned, and as you were listening to me talk, said, man, I'm, I'm sorry guys feel that way. I don't have that wound. But this wound, everyone has. Because this is not a wound of nurture. This is a wound that we're born with. This is a wound of nature. Since the beginning of time, man has questioned why he feels pulled to do evil. Now, you don't have to be a philosopher here today to think about this, but just think for a moment. Have there been moments in your life where you've just sat back and said to yourself, why do I find myself at times doing the things that, that I don't want to do, that I know are wrong? Why do I keep investing myself in things that I know are going to hurt me and my family, and yet I keep doing it? Why do I get out of control? Why can't I do the things that are right? Why do I give in to temptation, to anger? Why is it that the things I know are right and I know would help everyone, I can't find the power to do? Have you ever asked those questions of yourself? Sure you have. Because we've all experienced this particular wound and the answer to those questions is this. We all have a wound of the soul and spirit that no counselor can fix. It's just part of our birthright, unfortunately. And it's a wound that requires a deeper answer 
And we're going to address that deeper answer later on in the year. But here's what I want you to know. You'll walk out of here with this problem. And unless you've learned how to fix it, this problem will continually, every day, undercut your masculinity and your attempts at authentic manhood. That's what the wound represents. So here we are with this suitcase full of stuff. Some of us with a father wound. Some of us with an overly bonded with mother wound. Some of us are just all alone. Some of us can't see. And all of us have a wounded heart. And it's part of the suitcase that we carry out of here with us today. And how a man addresses this unfinished business will determine the kind of man he will become. So, the first issue in authentic manhood is addressing the unfinished business of my past. Now guys, here's what I want you to know here today, and I want to be real honest with you. Starting next week, it's going to be like we've been in a raft when you've taken one of those rafting trips. You've been in with a group of people and you've been kind of floating down the river having a good time, and then the guide says, get ready, we're about to go into some white water. That's where we'll start in the next week, starting to move into that white water of masculinity to deal with this kind of unfinished business. And that's what we're going to do for most of this fall together. But that's to address the unfinished business. Then secondly, remember I said there were three things, and I'll only mention the last two briefly. We said the first thing that's critical to authentic manhood is addressing unfinished business. The second is this, establishing a clear and compelling manhood vision. Of course, that addresses the vision in the suitcase. But beginning in January, what we're going to do is carve out a vision that I think is clearly superior to the conventional vision of manhood that I just pointed out to you just a few minutes ago. And I think you're going to be excited about that vision. Because I've seen a lot of guys hear that vision and all of a sudden for the first time they stand tall and they say, that's the kind of man I want to be. And then he sees a group of guys around him saying, let's go for it. Let's get connected and go for it. That's what we'll be talking about specifically in January. And then finally, I want you to know authentic manhood revolves around creating a high-impact, workable plan for my life. And you've got that plan in your hands already. I gave it to you. And you need to now start looking it over. And I'd like you to start reading it, especially part one, because part one, if you notice on your plan, is called looking back. And so I want you to begin to answer those questions. You have that due in December. But you need to start answering, asking those questions now and thinking about your life in relationship to those questions. But more importantly, that sheet, that first part that says looking back, starts asking you to write down specific goals that you are going to set for yourself to address this suitcase. And how you come up with a plan to address this suitcase is going to determine, in part, the kind of noble, authentic man you will become. I call it the second step of authentic manhood. Unpacking, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Robert Lewis Sermon Podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, please rate and review this podcast. 
In addition, share this with your friends and community. This podcast was produced by the team at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about the team at soundofarose.com.